Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. I, uh, I had just gotten off the phone. Uh, this, I was probably around 30. I might have been 29 or 30. I had just gotten off the phone, uh, and I sat, I sat on my bed. We didn't have a bed to bring up here, so I'll use a chair. But I, I sat on my bed. And I just started to cry. Now, if you know me, I'm, I'm not, I'm pretty stoic, um, pretty serious, probably way too serious. <laughs> um, but in that moment of getting off the phone that day, I, I just, I was just overwhelmed. And no, I didn't receive bad news or anything like that that you might surmise. In fact, it was really good news. I had just got off the phone with uh, the university where I had earned my master's degree and they had, uh, they had let me know that I had overpaid, and I figured <clears throat> typically when you get those calls or emails, you're like, nah, keep it because the paper that it's coming on is worth more than the overpayment. But they had just shared how much that, I, that they owed me. And it wasn't just in and of itself. I mean, you know, that, would, that was nice and everything. But in that moment, I was just overwhelmed with God's goodness. You see, the, the backdrop is I had always, uh, I had grown up in church. My parents had always modeled this and taught us. Of course, God had taught them uh, that the first 10% of the income that we received, their income, my income, went back to him, called the tithe. And so that's just what I did, not because they did it, but because I just felt that was the obedient thing to do. I knew that was the obedient. I believed God at his word. I didn't believe the Old Testament is, is old. I believe that God, when Jesus said, I came to fulfill it, not to abolish it, that it's still good for now. But I was at a church at the time I was teaching. I was at a church that was just moving and God was reaching lost people like crazy. And we were doing a lot of permissions. And so not only was I giving that first 10% back to God, keyword back, not returning, I was just giving it back. That was his already. But I was given to missions and, and then to, cap, to resource initiatives or capital campaigns. And I, I don't know what percentage of my income. I was only making like twenty-eight or $30,000, but I know a lot was going. I just, he kept giving me these numbers and I don't know, maybe I was just probably too young and too dumb to say no, or I don't know. And, and I, over that year, I'd kind of forgotten, you know, you just kind of write the check or it comes out of your, out of your bank account and you kind of just go on with life. And I lived a pretty simple life at that time still try to. And um, I had seen so many things that it finally hit me. That call was like the final straw in a good way of a summer job I had that I had worked a couple summers. They ended up, because of a paternity leave, they put me in charge, which is dangerous, but with the city, I had a city vehicle. I mean, just, it was like, and, and then some different um, coaching or a lessons operation. The list just went on and on of just provision after provision. I started adding up the numbers in my head, sitting on that bed crying, and God had blessed just financial. I'm going to get into blessings a lot bigger than financial, but two to three times my salary. I mean, it was unreal. I don't know if you've ever had that time in your life, it doesn't have to be financial, but any, you ever have a time in your life when you've just experienced the goodness of God, just his goodness, and what happens in that moment, which is also a reminder of when he says we'll stand in front of him someday and we won't even be able to stand, we'll fall flat on our face. Because when you experience this, that's what happens when you experience his holiness. When you experience his goodness, the floodgates open. I don't know. Like you're just in that moment like, wow, 
Why me? That's what I said, God. Why would you do? I, I don't, I think, I, and I remember this like it was yesterday. Because when you have those moments with God, you don't forget them. It's one of the ways you know that you've met him, right? And you have a relationship with him because you just know. No one can take it away from you. No one can make a theology statement out of it. You just know that you know that you had an encounter with the living God. And I said to him, God, I don't deserve this. And he said, it's not about that. (laughs) It's not about that. I just want you to know how good I am. Keep that in mind. The Smiths, Mr. and Mr. Smith, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, were going to the dentist. They had a dentist appointment. And so they get into the dentist's office, they get into his actual office, and Mr. Smith says, Doc, I don't have time. We're in a hurry today. No Novocaine, no pain medication. Just yank it out. I, don't, I got other things to get to. I just want this to go really fast. And the doctor was astounded. He's like, this never happens. No one actually. I mean, usually people have all these other things they want here, and they're not, gonna, they're not in a hurry. They want this done right. And he was just befuddled. And so finally, he's like, okay, sir, um, which tooth do you want pulled today? To which Mr. Smith looked at his wife and said, honey, would you show him the tooth that needs pulled today? Oh my, come on. All right. I, it, you did say lack of sleep. She was going through the pain. That's why he was in a hurry. Anyway. Okay. First service got it. They had less sleep. Okay. Maybe I just told it better. Nevertheless, when it comes to money, when it comes, I'm never going to give up on saying these, even if you laugh or don't laugh. So that's what you're just going to have to deal with. I don't, I don't have much pride. I just get up here and tell those you lose your pride real fast. Come on. That's, that's kind of how we feel when it comes to money and it comes to stuff, right? We, we don't want to experience that pain ourselves. That's for someone else to experience. We just kind of want to eh, hold on to what we have. We don't, man, I, I don't know if I want to go there. I don't know. I don't even know if I want him to talk about this today, right? Which by the way, if you know anything about me, I'm really not scared about talking about this stuff. No, a lot of times preachers don't want to preach on money and sex. You can go back. I, I look online. I preached on them both, okay? Uh, because this is such a big deal. This is such a big deal because it's something we all grapple with. It's something we all wrestle with. It's something we all have or we, we wish we had more of. And Jesus talked about it a lot. Scripture talks about it a lot. And it's something that I feel we have to lean into and we have to acknowledge and we have to, to wrestle with to some degree. So I want to throw out a definition as we start today. I'm going to come back to this definition later, but I want you to let this definition, I'm sharing it at the beginning today because I want it to sink in into our head, but also the hardest 12 inches in the world to get to from here into here, into our heart too. Here is that word. What is blessing? I define blessing as this. I believe God defines blessing as this. It's God's supernatural power working for you. It's God's supernatural what? Power working for who? For you, okay? It's working for you. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you today want to see more supernatural break into the natural of your life? I'm going to raise my hand for all of us, right? We want more of supernatural power. We want more of God's blessing. We want to see more of him show up in our life. We need it in our marriages. We need it in our mind. We need it in our relationships. We need it in our finances. We need it in the friends we're trying to reach. We, we have, we have uh, sons and daughters and grandchildren who are walking away from the Lord, and we want them to come back. We, there's so many things... There's so many things you and I, no matter where you are in faith, on the faith continuum today, there's so many areas of our life that I am pleading and you are pleading for the supernatural to break into the natural. How awesome would that to be living in a world, and by the way, it's doable, where constantly and consistently the supernatural is colliding with the natural. 
That should wake you up a smidge more, okay? That's better than the espresso or whatever. That the supernatural, breaking into the natural, we want it. That's what I believe blessing is. When I look at how God defines blessing, it's not, oh, I give $100 and God blesses with 1000 although he might because he's really good. I want to see his blessing. I want to see, I've shared this before. I'm convinced one of the reasons our, our nine-year-old has excelled so much from where he started in life as a kid in the orphanage and all that stuff to where he now is exceeding because of God's blessing, because of our obedience in different areas of our life, and God has poured out his blessing. And I'm telling you, as a dad, I, I don't need another $1,000 or $5,000 or even 10000 The fact that he's thriving and he's succeeding, not just, not just academically, but spiritually. Parents, grandparents, can you put a price tag on that one? Absolutely not. That's God's blessing. And so I think we're all on the same page today, saying I wouldn't mind having some more blessing in my life. I, don't, I wouldn't mind seeing more of the supernatural work into the natural because you can name it in your head. You have an area or areas of your life that you need to see God's power show up. You need to see supernatural power. If it's not in your life, in a spouse's life, in a child's life, in a grandchild, in a neighbor, how about this? If his supernatural power is that person you've been talking to about coming to know Jesus, inviting and investing in them, and that someday they cross the line of faith, I'm telling you, that's worth more than $10,000 to come see them experience Jesus, the wholeness, the completeness, the shalom, the wholeness, the completeness, that they could experience the forgiveness that they could experience. So I think we're all with me. Most of us are with me on where we're going. And let's see, how does this happen? What does this look like? We're going to start in uh, Malachi today. We're going to be in the Old Testament. Uh, It's on page 779. I don't think I have it on the screen for you. Some of the verses are, but I don't have the page number. It's on 779. So if you have the Bibles in your row, I always love people to grab their Bibles or get the Bible app on your phone. If you want to follow along on the screen, that's perfectly fine too. But Malachi is an Old Testament book. And a little context to Malachi. Um, I'll actually back up before I give the context. You had a divided kingdom. I've shared that in a sermon a while ago, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The southern kingdom was uh, disobedient. God kept warning them, kept warning them, kept warning them. If you don't turn back to me, then you're going to go into exile. They eventually did. A guy by by the name of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon came in. They went into exile. They spent about 70 years in exile. They had a chance to return. About 2% or 2.5% went back home to Jerusalem or that southern kingdom of Judah. After that, there are five books in the Old Testament called the post-exilic books. They're called post-exilic books because they were written, or the setting for them is after the exile. Malachi is one of them. Like Ezra is another one where they're rebuilding the temple. Nehemiah is another one where they're building the walls. But Malachi is one of the post-exilic books. So I share that to say, here's the situation. They're all back home. They started to rebuild the temple. They started to rebuild the walls around the city because a city without walls back in that day was a second class or third class or a fourth class, very susceptible to enemy attack. They're starting to do everything that God has told them to do. But then they got distracted. You ever get distracted from God's purposes in your life? I have, so I'm not going to ask you to say yes or no. I have, so we're going to talk about me right now. I have got distracted from God's purposes. God at some point was number one, and then the worries of this world, as we talked about three weeks ago, the different things of this life have gotten, and he became number two. Whether intentionally or unintentionally, does it really matter? Not really, okay? He became number two, and then he became number three, and then he became number four. I've gotten distracted, and that's what happened to these people. They lost sight. They actually went back to started building their own homes instead of building the temple. They went back to get it, making sure that they had good incomes and their jobs were secure instead of taking care of the walls. 
And so God, because he's really good, sometimes we don't think it is why he does this, but it is because he's really good and we matter a lot to him. He calls them out. You ever been called out by God? Now, you think God does that because he's angry with you, because he's upset? Do you think he's a... I, I, look, I think some people think God is a cosmic bug zapper. I love those bug zappers when I'm at the, like, out, you know, having... Um, what do they call it? Sitting around a campfire. Really complicated. Okay? And the mosquitoes are really bad, right? The bug zapper going off is yes, yes, right? That means less bites. We look at God that way, I think. That he's just sitting up there waiting. Man, Mark's going to mess up today because he woke up. So he's got, between waking up and falling asleep, he's definitely going to do something stupid, which is, again, not, un, not too far out of the realm of possibility. And I'm just waiting to zap him. That's horrible theology. That's not who God is. God corrects us for the same reason moms, dads, grandma, grandpa, if you don't have kids yet, you were probably corrected. Why do you do it? Because you love your kids. I mean, I had a couple in my house smarting off to me the other day. I mean, what do you think, what do you do? Just say, hey, you know, that's good. You can, you know, just, you know, whatever. No, right? They're, you're going to time out. Time out's really more punishment for us, but you know how it goes, okay? Right? Because I love them. I don't want them to be brats. I don't want them to lose a job someday because they run their mouth to their boss, right? We discipline, he, Scripture tells us this, God disciplines us. Why? Because he loves us. It's no different than human. And so that's a little bit of context. What he's calling them out here on deals with their finances. And it's something that they knew better, but they had stopped doing it. And it was returning back to him the first 10%. The Bible calls that a tithe. The word tithe literally means one-tenth or 10%. They knew that that's what they were supposed to do, that that first belonged to him. It was, and he actually says it's stealing. I'll let him share his words in a little bit. But they were not returning it back. They had gotten distracted. They had got focused on getting financially secure and getting back in a good, in a good situation, all that, and they had lost sight. And so here's where we are. We're going to be in Malachi chapter 3, and here's what he says. He says, return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? You ever ask that one of God? Okay, I know I'm going the wrong way, but what am I supposed to do? And God says, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? And he answers them in tithes and offerings. Tithe is that first 10%, offering is above and beyond. Now, I was so fortunate to grow up in a home where Jesus was number one. Parents, that's the best thing you can do for your kid. That's better than the sports stuff or the academic stuff or whatever. A house that makes Jesus number one, well, Proverbs says, train a child in the way he or she should go and they'll not depart. I took some meanders. Some of you did too, but I came back. I, one of the things my parents taught me was this. And I'm sure inflation maybe has affected this and my kids when I will call me out on it. But back then, I got a dollar allowance. Maybe I was getting ripped off. I don't know. Okay. I got a dollar allowance. This was when I was a little kid, you know, maybe six or so years old. I would get a dollar allowance, you know, make the bed, you know, clean up the floor, whatever. But I did not get it in a dollar bill. Some of you can empathize with me. I got it in coins, which I thought was a ripoff. Even though the coins, there was more than the dollar. Dollar bills, even my kids think they're just, they're worth extra just because they're made of paper, Right? Why did I get paid in coins? One of those coins was a dime. And so I was taught when I, at church, I would give that dime back. Now, I thought that was not fair. 
Some of you don't, still don't think it's fair. I understand that, okay? But my parents were modeling the other thing too, and I, I love electronic giving. I, we use it ourselves. But there's times that I sometimes want, wish I maybe should just write the check because one of the things I would see every Sunday was that tithe check sitting on the kitchen table. They didn't have to say one word. The things that get imprinted into your mind that there's never a conversation about, there's never a sit down, that, you know, we're going to have a talk about this or that, the other thing. You just see it. You see it every week after week, year after year. I am so thankful. Mom, Dad, Grammy, if you're watching today, thank you, okay? Thank you for modeling to me as a kid what it means to put God number one in every area of my life, including our finances. In fact, we have in our kids, we talk to our kids here. We talk to your kids about that. There's a place where they can drop their tithe, okay? Even if it's a dime, that's, you know, Percentage-wise, that might be a lot, right? Same with our teenagers. Let's continue what he continues talking about here. Actually, where does this whole tithe thing come from? Well, one of the things we see it in Genesis 15. Abraham has this interaction one day. He, had, he had accumulated quite a bit through military victory. He runs into this guy named Melchizedek, who was a, a priest. And without even being prompted, I don't, we, there, you just, he gives one-tenth of it to him. And then we see in Leviticus, it says this, a tithe of everything, a tithe of how much? Everything, okay, just making sure. Belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. I think so often, I call it, I call it we, we don't want to maybe give God everything, so we tip. We tip versus tithe. We just want to give God, and it can be beyond money. We want to give God a little bit of my talent. I want to give God a little bit of my future. God, I want to give you a little bit of my marriage. God, I want to give you a little bit of my dating life. God, I want to give you a little bit of my finances. God, I want to give you a little bit of this, right? Now, what happens? I'm just going to make this an object lesson of mine today. How's that sound? When I do that, when I God give God just a little bit of my, hey, God, you get 20% of my future. I don't get into the, I don't use a percentage, but you know what I mean, like, God, the future, my, whatever you want in, in my future is yours, but I got to be secure with this, I, you know, right? What happens when we only give them a certain amount and not all of us? I don't know. We reel it back in, don't we? We pull it back. It's so easy when we just give them a little to pull it back. When you and I, whatever the area of our life might be, including our entire life of salvation, when we finally say, you know what, I'm broken, everything I've used and everything I've tried and everything I've tried and everything I've tried to fill that emptiness is leaving me still empty. When you finally go all in, because you can't sit on the fence when it comes to a relationship with Christ, you're in or you're out. Sorry, but that's the truth. Not early, sorry. That is the truth. When we go all in, it's a lot harder to pull back, isn't it? Sometimes people ask me, can you lose your faith or you keep it? And that's a great theological discussion. Sometimes I, get, I just say back, if you've really experienced Jesus, you're not going to walk away for very long. If you've really experienced Jesus, no matter where you fall on eternal security and all that, you're not going to walk away for very long because you're going to be lost. You're going to be helpless. You're gonna, you're, it's just not, life isn't going to make any sense. He says this in verse 9. He says, you are under a curse. He's talking to the people there still true for today. The whole nation of you, because you are what? Robbing me. There's two things I read here that I don't like. Number one is this, curse 
and robbing God. I read those two things and looking at God and how he looks at me and say, I don't really want either. Now, some of you are all of a sudden going back to this bug zapper thing because you saw the word curse. Here's what he means. It's the opposite of blessing. Now, we also see in Scripture, I don't have time to unpack all of it. You can look for yourself. There's a lot of times in Scripture where the people are like, hey, we planted everything. We planted every single seed in every single acreage, and we're only getting about a quarter of our crop. And there's all these famines, and there's all these diseases coming, and God says, you're living a disobedience. And I don't know how all that works with blessing and curses, but I know at the end of the day, I want more of his blessing, and I don't want the blessing taken away. I think we all, all right, I don't know what that looks like and I don't know how it works. I'm not God and I don't pretend to be, but all I know is this, in my finite mind, I want more blessing. I want more supernatural power working for me. And I don't want that taken away, whether you call it a curse or whether you call it being removed. doesn't really matter. I want the blessing. Anyone? A couple of us, right? Yes, we want that. And then God says this, that you're robbing him. I, I don't recommend robbing anyone, just so we have that out there. Okay, that should be self-explanatory. I definitely don't want to be robbing God. Like it's, it's bad enough to rob the bank and again, discouraged from that. But the creator, the one who holds everything, I, again, there's a lot of things to unpack there, but I'm just looking at surface level and saying, I don't really want that. I want to experience his power and I want to make sure that I'm living in obedience to whatever he is calling me to do. So then he goes on, he says this. He says, hey, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, which would have been the temple. That would have been like the, the local church. That there may be food in my house. And then he goes on and says, actually, I want to add this. He says the whole tithe, and I think that word whole is there for, I think every word in Scripture is there for a reason. But I think sometimes we read over words way too fast. Anyone else ask a lot of questions when they read the Bible? I find myself asking questions. I'm like, I'm on verse two and I've asked myself 30 questions. I haven't even got to verse three. I ask myself a question a lot is why was that word there? How come we use that word? How come that disclaimer is there? And when I look at it, it says, bring the whole tithe. Here's why. I think God realizes when he gets the whole tithe, he gets all of you. He gets the whole of you. He wants all of you. Do you know that? He doesn't want part of you. He just doesn't want, he doesn't want, he wants everything. God's had to remind me of this several times in my life. When I want to pull back or I don't want to be as generous or I, um, and this is, this is just me, but I, I had a time when I, I was getting more, I got a raise actually, and I decided to tithe on the net, not the gross. And I, I just, people ask me that question sometimes. I'm like, well, do you want blessed on the gross or net? But that's just, God convicted me for that. And it was that reminder that I was not giving him all of myself. I was holding back. So I don't know if there's an area, and it's beyond finances, I don't know if there's an area of your life you're holding back right now. But I just want to challenge you. Would you give it to him? Maybe you're holding back. Maybe financial security is what's holding you back from answering the call. That's, I, I run into that a lot. Right? We want to, we want once this is all figured out, then I'll answer the call. And God's saying, no, it's not kind of how it works. I want all of you. I'll take care of the rest. There were two guys, uh, their plane crashed, and they uh, ended up on this deserted island. And of course, the one guy, as you and I would, he's screaming and yelling, we're going to die, we're going to die, no one's going to find us, we're going to die. The other guy's 
sitting under a coconut tree, just leaned up, calm, cool. And then his buddy's like, how can you be so calm? We crashed. No one knows we're here. There's no way to send up a smoke signal. No one's going to know we're here. To which his buddy said, you don't understand. He goes, I make $100,000 a week. I don't care how much you make. We're on a deserted island. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter you make $100,000. He said, you don't understand. I make $100,000 a week. And I tithe 10% to that to my local church. My pastor, he's going to find us. I just know it. My pastor, he will find us. It's a heavy topic. You got to break it up with some humor. I want you to know this. And this is coming from my heart. We're fine financially as a church. I mean, there's so many generous here. We, we try to keep things very simple around here. Our desire is to multiply. We're not looking at big buildings. And nothing wrong with big buildings. But um, I actually think, I, I probably fret more over my personal finances than the church. I just, I don't know why, but I just don't, I shouldn't do that. But I, I just don't sweat it. I just don't. Um, we don't talk, if you're new with us, we don't talk a lot about Some Staff tells me I should talk about it more. They're like, Jesus talked about it 50% of the time. Almost half his parables were about it. We don't pass offering plates. That's not a COVID thing. In fact, when the church was started, the Valley Church in 1994, Paul Jetter, the founding pastor, wanted a church that would be, uh, that would be open to those who are unchurched. And any, because a lot of people think the church just wants my money or whatever. And so from day one, there was no plates passed or anything like that. I was in Florida this past week for some church planting stuff, and if you go to Florida in March, by law, you must attend spring training baseball. Uh, it's actually, if you read there, you, if you keep reading Malachi 3, you'll see it there at the end. So I had a, an event I was helping lead Tuesday night, and my flight got in early um, Monday morning, or about 11 o'clock Monday morning, and so I had already scouted it out. I could if I got my car quick and whatever, in two hours, I could be in Sarasota. My, I'm a big Phillies fan. They were playing the Orioles. I would get there late, but I would still get there. So, um, so I take off. And, and here's one thing, by the way. I don't believe a lot of things I read in the news or hear on TV or whatever. But they're saying all these people are moving to Florida from other states. They ain't lying. Like, that's true. Like, traffic's insane. So it took me three and a half, three hours or whatever. So I had a lot of car time. I'm getting to my point here in a second. I had a lot of time in the car, no kids, so I could have my thoughts in my head and all that kind of stuff. And I was just praying over this sermon. I had written a lot of it already, but I was just kind of letting it really sink in. And one of my things is every sermon, I believe, should have a tone. A tone of when, when you teach, when you communicate, has a tone. Sometimes the tone is hope. Sometimes the tone is more admonishment. Sometimes the tone is encouragement. Sometimes the tone is courage, you know. And I really was just kind of, God, what's the tone? I want, and I said, God, I just want them to know my heart. Some of you know me, maybe a lot of you don't, uh, especially on a more you know, personal level. I just want them to know my heart for this. God, what's, what's the tone? What's the tone if it's coming out of my heart or out of your heart, God, into my heart? And it, it, and it came to me, he really revealed the tone of the sermon, church, is love. That's, that's why I'm preaching this. It's love. I, I just want you to experience God like I've experienced him. This isn't about the church. This isn't about money even. It's not even about, it is about tithe, but it, it's just about you. I want you to have a moment like I did, and I've had more than just that. I've had even recent ones, sitting on the bed or sitting in the chair, sitting in your car, wherever, 
and you're just overwhelmed with his goodness that flowed out of your obedience. I want, and others, I could bring a lot of people up on the stage. I know I could, and they could share in 60 seconds. I'd be like, share how you've experienced God through this, through generosity, through re- returning back to him. And they could share story after story. Some of you today maybe just kind of have forgotten, and you, it's a reminder of his blessing, his super... You now look, and sometimes we miss these, don't we? We live life really fast. There's probably some blessings he's poured out into your life because of your obedience. And maybe today, God, would you just nudge them and remind them? I'm just going to ask them to do that right now. Would you just nudge and remind them of some ways the supernatural has broken into your life, into the natural? Folks, I just want... I, I, you preach as a pastor sometimes, you preach as a prophet sometimes, a more prophetic or more, sometimes you preach more priestly. Today is pastorally. I just want you, I, I, more than anything, I, I just would love for you to experience the freedom that comes. I would love for you, even if you're married, to experience the freedom that comes. Jess and I definitely have our non-agreements on spending and different things, but I've shared this before and it, and it hasn't changed in a year or so that I shared it. We have never had, that I can remember, had a disagreement over generosity. In fact, one of our rules of thumb is when God asks us to give above and beyond, like all in to go all out. We just prayed. And we said, whoever gets the highest number, that's where we go. That's dangerous, but yet really fun. And I got a number and I asked God, I said, you're not looking at, I, I, I said, you're, I don't know if you're looking at Elon Musk's bank account. That's a little too steep, but you're definitely looking at, so I said, so I said it's Coulter, see? Though you, you know, because these numbers don't all that, you know, we just finished the one year and the three, and he provides, and he's so good. I don't even, I don't know if I'll figure out this side of heaven, some of the blessings that we got to experience. And like I've said before, if my kids come to know the Lord at a young age and serve him wholeheartedly, and if people I'm trying to reach for Jesus say yes to Jesus, I really don't need another penny in my account. I, you get to that stage in life. I haven't always been that way, just to be honest. I haven't always been that way. But as you get older, I, I, was, I shared earlier, I think, first service with my grandmother's 90 years old. She's been walking with the Lord for 80-some years. And when you watch someone who's been walking with the Lord, there's just a peace. Because they just know him. There's a track record. There's a track record of him never breaking a promise. There's a track record of him always coming through. There's a track record of his goodness. And I just look at her, and I'm like, there's so much peace with God. Just She's right with him, number one, but just... And as I'm starting to notice, I'm not that, at that age, obviously, but the, each year, every couple, I, I'm, I'm different. Now I look and I say, you know, if God calls us to clear out the checking account to do this, I'll wrestle with you, God, but you know what? I trust you. You've always come through. You know, I, I wouldn't, I'm just being frank. I would not have even been there a couple years ago, but just you take steps of faith. You take another step of faith. You take another step of obedience. And God, and I want you to never forget this, God is who he says he is, and he'll always do what he says he's going to do. With that being said, I want you to check out a video with Josh and Nicole sharing their story about tithe. My name is Joshua Landis. I'm Nicole Landis. And we're the Landises. Josh and I started coming to the Valley in 2018. Tithing has always been a hard thing for us. Um, I think that you know, we both grew up poor, and so I felt like we spent a lot of time holding on to our money uh, and feeling like we just didn't want to get back there. It's just a control thing, and so just giving up that control to God and saying, I trust you with this, and I know this is what is 
is good and right and best and just doing that next right thing for God. I think money talk or anytime there was a conversation about tithing in the church, that was like the thing that like went, Ugh. like it really just kind of got you and made you wonder, am I really being loyal? Am I really doing that step? In my family, it was a huge source of tension and stress was just watching my parents, you know, kind of argue about money. And so, you know, we gave offerings at church, but it never was really talked about. And I guess I never really understood until I started attending the Valley, what God's word said about tithing. And, and as we developed our relationship with Christ through the Valley and became more intimate in the word and um, just our faith, you know, we just felt pulled to continue to be more generous. Yeah, and I think understanding that it's not ours anyways. I think that's like the realization I think that yeah. I got was, you know, you have all these earthly blessings, but yet they're not even yours, right? But you you find that hard work and all that dedication and all that stuff that you've done that you've accumulated these things, and you finally get to that realization that, man, this isn't even mine anyways. Why am I holding on to it? Why am I keeping it? What more can we do for the community and for God's kingdom and for the church and just to spread the word? And once you do it, man, it feels so good. Like it just, you feel right and you feel like like you're just in a right spot and it opens up for more generosity. What more can we do? We've done this. God blessed us more. We got to keep going. And I think that that's just really the story. Uh, and that's what tithing is all about. Say, okay, I'm going to do this. God, show me that you're there. And, uh, and he's going to. He's never failed us yet. So, you know, anytime you doubt him or you don't trust him, I mean, and that you feel that tug on your heart, I just feel like anytime you go through with it, you're just rewarded 10 times more and he never lets us down, so go all in. <laughs> he's never failed us yet. Guess what? He's not going to start with you. He's never failed. He's never let us down. I want you in the front seat pocket, um, there's these cards. Uh, go ahead and grab them. There's a card. You can grab one as a couple. Grab one as a family. It says tithe challenge. And this is, I don't make this weird or anything, so just stay with me. I'm going to read what it says here. I do this once a year, and I do this because, I, like I said, I just, want to, I, want you to, I just want you to see God in ways you've never seen him before. It says, countless people experience God's blessing when they tithe, but often the first step is the hardest one to take, right? The three-month tithe challenge is a money-back guarantee of sorts. Essentially, it's a contract based on God's promise in Malachi 3, 10 through 11, which we're going to read in just a second. Here's our commitment to you, or my commitment to you. If you tithe for three months and God doesn't hold true to his promises, we will refund 100% of your tithe. I mean that. I'm as serious as, as, as one can be. I am dead serious. A couple of reasons why. Number one, I just, I'm, when I said it, I, we don't, we're not hurting here. Or we, it's not about the church needing your money. It's one of the ways I think I can back that up. I, I, the other thing is I just trust God. <laughs> I just know his track record. And so here's what I want us to do today. I'm going to read this passage. I'm going to read this passage in the Malachi. And then um, we're going to end today with a response time. And I'll, I'll give you some instructions to that. He says this in Malachi 11, 10 and 11. He says, Test me in this, says the Lord of my. By this way, it's the only time in all the Bible. The only time, you can look it up for yourselves. You can do a Google search. The only time he says, test me. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, there's that word, that there will be not room enough to store it. I want to ask you this. 
when it comes to his blessing, we define it as what? It's his supernatural what? Working for you. I want to leave you with this question before we respond. Do you want a trickle of his blessing? Do you want a drop of his blessing? Do you want a river of his blessing? Or do you want a flood? And he says he's unleashing the flood from heaven. It goes back to the Lord's prayer in my mind, right? That all of heaven would come to earth. And so that's when I say his blessing is people being healed. His blessing is seeing marriages restored. His blessing is seeing people forgiven. His blessing is seeing those who are poor come experience fulfillment and fullness. His blessing, his blessing, his blessing comes from heaven. Everything that's in heaven, he wants to unleash on this earth. And church, this is what's staggering. Our obedience, it would appear, our obedience to some degree dictates how much of that gets to be unleashed. It's what I read. I want to see as much unleashed as possible. I want to see as much supernatural released to the natural. I pray this all the time. I want to see every single person in Miami County and beyond come to know Jesus. It might be the stupidest prayer in the world, but why not? But it's going to come through obedience. In this area, in all kinds of boldness, like we're going to talk about in this next series of sharing our faith, it's going to take us being obedient and courageous and bold to see as many people, because when he said, uh, no one should perish, but everyone, I take him at his word, that everyone would have everlasting life. I believe that everyone means everyone, and we get to be a play, play a part in that, and we get to dictate how big of a part we get to play as an individual and as a church. So here's what we're going to do in response today. It's not weird. I'm not, I'm not, no one's going to make you do anything. We're going we're gonna to close with the song we opened up, because one of the things I felt nudged to do was we need a song of victory, we need to end with a song of celebration. We need to celebrate more as a church. We need to celebrate more as followers of Christ. Look at the Old Testament. They partied all the time. Jesus did his first miracle at a party. They celebrated everything. So this is going to be a song of celebration. This is a song of worship. The word worship literally means he's worthy. And so when we stand, all the stations are open. I have a special kind of station day. If you want to make, a re- just reaffirm that tithe you're already doing. As an act of worship, say, God, thank you for your blessing. Thankful for your faithfulness. I'm reaffirming that. There's a state, you can drop it there. We can drop it in the back, so station somewhere. You can drop it in a joy box. Some of you maybe today want to take that first step and say, God, I'm going to just trust you. I don't know what I'm getting myself into. I don't know about this Mark guy, but I think I trust you, God. And we're going to take that step. So some of you, I know Jess and I, we, we, God's feeling up, moving us to some more radical generosity. That's just where he's moving us. For others today, maybe it's lighting a candle, interceding on someone you're praying for. Maybe it's putting up on the cross a prayer request. Maybe it's receiving communion. Maybe it's praying. This isn't just about money. This is worship. This is worship. And so I want you to have the freedom to respond however you want to respond. But we're doing this because he's worthy. Whatever he, I just pray this. And my prayer has been as you're praying over this or praying over anything else, would you just listen to the Holy Spirit? That's God's power. It's his presence. And then would you just be obedient? to what he asked you to do. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would unleash the supernatural into the natural. That we wouldn't settle anymore for natural living, not just finances, but anything. That we would so passionately desire to see all of heaven unleashed on this earth. That we would pray big, holy, audacious prayers. 
that we would look at people in line at the supermarket, that we would look at people at, at, the, at the sporting event, we would look at our neighbor and we'd say, that person's gonna come to know the Lord. We're gonna do everything within our power to see them come to know Jesus. We're gonna be obedient in every area of our life. We're gonna be a testimony. Money, etc., is a testimony to who you are and how you can work in and through their lives. So God, right now, it's your time. We're just gonna be obedient to what you asked us to do. Holy Spirit, would you fill this place? Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.